Okay. All right. Well, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Movie Boys. I'm Tyler. I'm Rowdy. And uh, we have, uh, we've been on quite the hiatus, but uh, I got a, uh, I got a new job and uh, so I'm on day shift for the first time in like five years or so. And uh, so now it kind of gives me a little bit more of a normal schedule that we can plan some actual podcast episodes. And uh, we're starting starting things off strong with uh, the topic of today's episode, which is going to be Christopher Nolan's new newest movie, Oppenheimer. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, uh, initial initial notes. Yeah, it was it was pretty damn good. It was all right. I mean, considering what it was, it was just a a biopic about you know an astrophysicist. Not an astrophysicist, a uh, uh, a quantum physicist. Excuse me. Did they ever say what J stood for? Not in the movie. I didn't they didn't. No. What does it stand for? I I've never looked it up. Uh, I don't know. I'm I I don't either. But uh, so uh, the general synopsis is pretty much that it's uh, it kind of follows the life of uh, J Robert Oppenheimer who is uh, pretty much known as the uh, the father of the atomic bomb. Yeah. And, uh, it's pretty scary stuff, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's pretty damn scary, especially like uh, some of the like different points in the movie where they were, you know, going through the, the theories and uh, – Stuff like that, and like they quite literally thought that there was, was a possibility of like ignite the atmosphere. Yeah, igniting the atmosphere, and, and so that's just some, in my opinion, that's some pretty scary stuff. I mean, couldn't it still technically happen? I mean, it was in, it was in all technicality, it wasn't zero. Right, it was not zero. It was close to zero. Yeah, the odds in all technicality. Yeah, but you got to think. The vast majority of the elements that our atmosphere is made up of are pretty, uh, pretty stable elements, and you know, um, you don't necessarily have to be a, a physics nerd to understand that you know, in order for you to achieve a chain reaction of nuclear fission, you have to have some pretty unstable elements. I mean, heck, even plutonium and uh, uranium in their normal, like, natural state are still st- stable enough that you don't have to worry about it. That's why they had to go through the enrichment process. But anyway, um, the the movie in question was uh, directed by Christopher Nolan. He used everybody he uses, mm. like, since Dunkirk, I think. Y- yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, mm. That's pretty true. Um, Hold on, was Hoyt Van Hoyma on Dunkirk? Let me check. I'm like 99% sure he was. Uh, yeah, cinematographer on Dunkirk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. and then Ludwig uh, Gorenson did the score. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. And it was funny. I, this film, it had some really cool editing with all, like, the the explosion. Like, him thinking about space and shit. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. I looked up who the editor was. Oh, yeah. She's got a very unfortunate name. Jennifer Lame. Oh. Well, but for, she, her, for she, her sake, we're going to we're gonna give her the benefit of the doubt and say that it's pronounced Lame. She has edited a lot of good movies, though. Oh, really? Yeah, like uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, okay. Midsommar, uh, an episode of 30 Rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's that got a... Her, her crowning achievement yeah. right there. I the, mean, an episode Alec Baldwin of did Killer, so that's a achievement right there. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So, uh, uh, obviously... As we know with Christopher Nolan, he wrote he wrote Chris the the script himself, but it was based on two different books that yeah. were uh, written by uh, Kai Bird and Martin Sherwin. So, I didn't know this was based on a book. Yeah, which I'm willing to bet money based I, on a book based on somebody's life. Well, and that's what I was going to yeah. say. I'm willing to bet it was a biography of some sort. So, yeah. I mean, um. And then uh, our lead, our leading actor uh, was uh, Mr. Killian Murphy, Irishman with the blue eyes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he was uh, supported by uh, Emily Blunt, who played uh, Kitty. Kitty Oppenheimer, his uh, wife. Yeah. Which yeah, which was his wife. Which according to him, it was his second wife, right? I'm not sure. I know he had that. Oh yeah, maybe. Cause, uh, cause I mean, all I feel on, like whenever they were interrogating him, I know that Oppenheimer said, "Yeah, you know, it was his second. It was wife. from his pre- previous marriage." Yeah. Um, and then he was also supported by Matt Damon, who played uh, Leslie Groves, which, which I don't know what his rank was. I know it wasn't general. Uh, I think when whenever after they finish the uh, Trinity tests. Mm-hmm. I think he got promoted to either colonel or sergeant or some shit like that. Well, I know it wasn't sergeant. I know he was higher than a sergeant, but either way. And then uh, so last colonel. last but certainly not least was uh, Robert Downey Jr. Boo. Who, yeah, who kind of who kind of played the? He's a villain. Yeah, he kind of played the antagonist because uh, he's a petulant dickhead who was offended by a joke that. Oppenheimer made, so he tried to ruin his career. Right. So, yeah, uh, Robert Downey Jr., uh, he uh, portrayed a uh, Mr. Louis Strauss. And he was very adamant that it was pronounced that way because uh, Oppenheimer called him Strauss, and he corrected him almost immediately. Yeah, dickhead. Yeah. So. I mean, his makeup, well, everybody's makeup and stuff for, like, their aging process. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was it was really well done. In my, yeah, you're right. In my opinion, it was really well done. Yeah. And you and I both know that with it being Christopher Nolan, none of that was CG. You know, he, yeah. He, you know how he is. He's a stickler for practicality. Yeah, this movie, though, those uh, those three actors you named, or f- four actors, mm-hmm. that doesn't even scratch the surface of how many people were in this movie. Yeah. It was like a... A where's Waldo of obscure actors. No kidding. Um, yeah, because you know they they used a slew of very, in my opinion, very good actors 
uh, to uh, to portray the just the vast amount of scientists that were on the Manhattan Project itself. Yeah, my favorite one was Benny Safdie. He was the uh, the Russian one. Uh, oh yeah, Teller, mm-hmm. I think was his name. Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. But yeah, he and because he was. Uh, you say that he's the one of the brothers that directed uh, uh, Uncut, Uncut Gems, Gems, Good Times, just okay. great movies. Well, um, I don't like Uncut Gems, but Good Times, yeah. See, I liked Uncut Gems. We've, we've gone over this. I loved Uncut Gems. It was just the score that just utterly just threw me off. I didn't like Uncut Gems just based on the fact that, like, it was just, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Anxious, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. It was too anxious. Well, it's like, and like I said, especially considering that all it was was a fucking jewelry store owner who had a gambling problem. Yeah. But, um, that's not can, what this is about, though. Right. And well, and that's what I was going to say when we bring it back to Oppenheimer. This movie was, as you would say, pretty anxious, but in my opinion, rightly so, just because. I mean, good God, we're talking about the invention of the atomic bomb. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, uh, next thing, uh, the budget. So, the budget was... A, Let me guess. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to say 100 That w- That was the budget, yes. Okay, cool. But... It it came out to about 145 million with marketing. I'm guessing. No. Mm-mm. Oh, that doesn't. No, mean. the break even the break even for this movie was 350 million. Oh, I think they made that already. I oh think yeah. They're at well, half a billion. Or, yeah, two half a billion. two days ago they were grossing 835 million. Oh, there we go. Good job, man. Barbie just passed. Yeah, a billion. Barbie just passed a billion yesterday. Yeah. I think. We haven't seen that, by the way. Uh, Tyler's misogynistic and I'm lazy. Sure, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I um, I just have. Let's put it this way: I the only thing that I was looking forward to about Barbie was I was I wanted to take my daughter, but now it's like it's PG thirteen and my daughter is six. So it's too woke. Um, maybe so. I wouldn't know. It's that wokeness. <laughs> Get that Obamacare out of here. Yeah, go work. Go woke. Go broke. Apparently. But uh, but yeah, let's uh, I guess let's uh, dive right in. Uh, the first topic that I have down is just the the historical accuracy, just in general. I have no clue. I know that there's atomic bombs now, and there was atomic bombs in the movie. That's about <laughs> as far as it goes for me. Well, I'll I will admit that I know. I do know that Christopher Nolan came out and said before the movie was released that. He ultimately, like, that's what that was his goal was he wanted the movie to be as historically accurate as possible. I remember reading something that he got wrong. Oh, really? It was the flags at the rally scene where he, like, has that freak out whenever they're holding up the flags. Oh, the American yeah, flags. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the 50 stars, and we oh, didn't have 50 we didn't, states. Yeah, we didn't have 50 states yet. That's the only thing I've seen. Yeah. So, um, but one thing, and, and from what I've read that, you know, it's, it's ridiculously accurate, but one thing that a lot of people were speculating, or I guess, uh, taking bets on was, were, was he going to include the part where, uh, 
Oppenheimer quite literally attempts to murder one of his professors. Oh yeah, with and, the apple. Yeah, with the yeah with the cyanide in the apple, and he sure as hell put it in there. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Should have let him eat it though. Yeah, but I mean, like he said in the in the interview, like he didn't hate the. He didn't hate the professor. He actually respected him or some shit like that. Yeah. So. But yeah, from what I could tell and from what I've read, uh, I actually linked an article in our uh, our notion uh, file that um, it was ridiculously accurate. Which naturally, there's some things that you know they had to maybe bend or or omit, but for the um, for the most part. Uh, Nolan did a really good job to sticking to the accuracy, even so much so like um, uh, the scene where uh, he actually meets, um, was it Eisenhower? No, Truman. Yeah, Harry Truman. Yeah, where he met Truman. Called him a fucking crybaby. Yeah, and he called him a crybaby, which that that was accurate. The only thing that was kind of inaccurate was he never said it with an earshot of... Hmm. Oppenheimer, because Oppenheimer did tell the president that, you know, um, he said, you know, I feel like I've got blood on my hands. And Truman did say, you know, uh, you didn't drop the bomb. Yeah, he's did. like, you think they give a shit about you? He said, they don't, they don't know who you are. They're worried about me. I'm the one that dropped it. And yeah. he's, he's not wrong. And, and so, but yeah, no, Truman did not. By any stretch of the imagination, he did not regret dropping those bombs. Yeah, he was a dickhead. Uh, who played him? I can't remember. Because that's another thing that was Gary surpri- Oldman. Yeah, Gary Oldman. I was surprised to see him in yeah, those too. Mm-hmm. And it matter of fact, the honestly, if I'm not mistaken, like that whole entire scene was only like, God, at the most, a minute or two. And he had a bunch of prosthetics yeah, on yeah, to make him look him like true heavier. Yeah, and. uh they probably made it about halfway through that before I realized, like, oh, my God, that's Gary Oldman. Yeah. And that's one thing that's always just, like, blown me away is just how, in my opinion, how well, um, like, pe- the people from the U.K. can um, can do American accents, whereas you can always tell when, like, a, an American is doing – a British accent. Did I tell you the the theory that I saw that somebody said about why that is? No. So, because American media is so widespread, uh-huh. and they everybody watches it everywhere else. Oh, that's it. So they have more reference points to go off of. Yeah, that's probably a good point. Whereas, like, the things that get big over here, like British Office or Sherlock, shit like that. Yeah, and even then, we usually re- <laughs> we reiterate it into a, for American audience. Yeah. Or it's just made fun of. Like, you do that stereotypical, Oi, love, yeah. like that type of shit. Yeah, so. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, that's, that's one of the things that uh, I kind of liked about uh, what Christopher Nolan was able to do is like, cause you know, when it comes down to it, a biopic is usually pretty cut and dry, but he still found a way to make an engaging story that ultimately had a climax. Yeah. And 
and a tight end where you know like um uh like the uh what was it that Robert Downey Jr's uh aide said he was like cuz Robert Downey Jr's character is like going on and on about what Oppenheimer said to Einstein whenever they were in New Jersey oh yeah and he was like I know he turned the scientists yeah. against, against me and this and that and the other and then the aide was like you know he quite possibly could have just said nothing about you yeah. and you're just freaking out and sure enough that ultimately when it came down to it he didn't he didn't say a word about <laughs> yeah, about Strauss. Nothing. He just yeah. he just told him he's like, hey, he you know, regrets we'll, it. Well, and he was like, you know, when we were afraid that we were going to set the atmosphere, set the world on fire, he's like, well, we still technically did. Yeah. And that, from what from what you could tell, that made Einstein sick. Yeah, he had to go find uh, Young Sheldon after that. Oh my god! To put a team together to to reverse what they did. You're a young Sheldon. So, yeah, if you are a stickler for historical accuracies whenever it comes to uh, Hollywood adaptations, I think you would be pleasantly surprised with. Except for the flags in that one scene. And apparently, I just read about another one. Hmm. Josh Hartnett's character, uh, what was his name? By the way, Josh Hartnett's in this. For those of you who are too young to remember, he used to be awesome. The movie The Faculty, go check it out. Hmm. But uh, Josh Hartnett's character, where is it? Uh, Ernst Lawrence. He was I don't dead. I which one that was. Uh, the, the guy that he took with him, that Oppenheimer took with him to the desert with his brother. On that camping oh, trip. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. The he one that was, was against unions. Yeah. Uh-huh. He was dead by the end of the movie. And they oh, had him there. And they had him there in yeah, the... Whenever uh, he's whenever receiving he was their award. His medal, his... Yeah, from the president. Yeah. Okay. So that's two that they found online. That's about it. Dang. And that's pretty good. For a three-hour movie. I was about to say, for a three-hour biopic, that's that's yeah. pretty good. That's... That's within margin of error, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right. The next uh, topic that I have is uh, Killian Murphy's first lead role for a Nolan film. Is that true? Mm-hmm. This is his first lead. Huh. Did all right? Oh yeah. I, in my opinion, I and I've. I pr- now I will admit I haven't seen a vast array of Killian Murphy performances. But the ones that I have seen, especially, I've seen all of Peaky Blinders. Mm-hmm. And, my God, he's such a good actor. You should watch 28 Weeks Later. He's really good in that. Okay. You should see his dick. Wow. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, in, uh, in Oppenheimer, I like... You almost see his dick. You do almost see his dick. Yeah. Um, but... Which I will admit, in my opinion, there was a little more gratuitous nudity in this than I'm used to when it comes to a Nolan film. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, it didn't bother me that much. No, it didn't bother me because it was, it it was more artistic than anything. Yeah, and plus, like, there's that scene where, uh, I guess it was the second time... Uh, he was with that girl, Florence Pugh's character. I don't remember uh, her name. Yeah, uh-huh. But 
uh, it felt like it was showing more about their characters mm-hmm. and giving you more about that. Yeah, well, because, I mean, when it comes down to it, they were both crazy. Yeah. Like, apparently, Oppenheimer could read, what was that language? Uh, it was Sanskrit. Sanskrit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which he was learning to read. And that... And apparently that that was historically accurate too. That's the, why they put it in the <laughs> whole thing about uh, what does he say? I'm the I'm now death or something oh, like that. Something to that effect. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, apparently he really did like go around quoting that. Yeah. Now whether or not she made him do it while they were in the middle of <laughs> intercourse, I don't know. But who knows? But yeah, no. In my opinion, like. I'm not going to just flat out say that Killian Murphy deserves like best actor or anything. I mean, he definitely deserves a nomination. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He deserves a nomination. I now. haven't seen enough movies this year. Yeah, I haven't I'm seen Barbie honest. yet, so I'm eating salt. Ryan Gosling's going to knock it out the fucking You park. never know. But, yeah, no. And and while we're on that, like uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s um, performance as Strauss was in my in my opinion phenomenal. I have a theory on why he was so good in this part. Why? Because he's really a shithead in real life. Yeah, That's he, just my theory. He very well might be. But at the same time, like he he did phenomenal. Yeah. And I'm just it's in my opinion it's good to see him like trying to uh, I guess get out of the shadow of being Iron Man for all those years. What was it like, twelve years or something like that that he was Iron Man? Yeah, something like that. This isn't his first act, uh, his first drama though. No, no, no. He did uh, what? He did the the Judge. There's the Judge. There's the soloist with uh, Jamie Fox. Yeah, and then uh, what was it? And then he. He tried to uh, re, uh, what was it? He tried to uh, reboot um, Doctor Doolittle. And that, that's like a comedy kids yeah, movie. Yeah, but though. still, I heard that was horrible though. Yeah, he should be put now. In whether or not was that. his, not, whether or not that was his fault, I don't know. It was I've his fault. It was one hundred percent his fault, dude. Oh, really? He sucks. I hate <laughs> him. I can't stand him. But. Yeah, I, I'd say he's he is definitely up for a nomination for supporting act, actor. Yeah, and then Matt Damon. Matt Damon was just Matt Damon, in my opinion. Yeah, I was surprised to also see uh, Casey Affleck was in this movie. Ben oh, Affleck's yeah. little brother. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the, his character's name. He's like he was the American Gestapo, basically for spies. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean, but he did all right too. And then um, he's a shithead in real life, though. <laughs> That's proven. And then um, Emily Blunt, she did amazing. <sighs> yeah, she did good. But in my opinion, that kind of performance, I feel, I feel the same as um, uh, what was his name, um, Jared Leto's performance in The Little Things. Remember, because uh, he played that, the the suspect or whatever yeah. that they were going after, and I feel like 
it was it's one of those things where when you have such a, a powerful actor that it, they could very easily overact and overdo it mm-hmm. and you know and you could tell that you know they were doing they were doing the role justice by like look I'm going to play my role yeah and that's what I feel like like a manic mother that wasn't well, ready to be a mother well and from what I can tell and from what I've heard, that's was ridiculously common back in the 1950s yeah. and 40s and 50s. Oh, yeah, because I've seen pictures from back then like, oh, can't afford food, take my kid type shit. Well, not a, not even just that. Like the whole thing where like, uh, you know, where he came home and she was just ignoring the baby and she was yeah. drinking all day. Or d- was drinking. and Child care rowdy stuff. And he was he was like, well, shouldn't you go take care of the baby? She's like, I've been taking care of that fucking baby all day. And I'm like, hey man, that's, you know, that was the truth back then. And then they get rid of the fucking kid for a while. Yeah, yeah, they do go and they dump it off on one of their communist friends. But yeah. all right, so what do we got next? Uh, oh well, I mean, we kind of just segued into my next topic, which was Oscar nominations. Now, best picture, yes. Cinem- best director, cinematography. Cinematography, yeah. Uh, I don't think it's gonna win best director though. No, probably not. I think Greta no. Gerwig probably will do yeah, it. Yeah, probably, most likely. Writing, maybe. I don't know. I, I think Barbie's gonna sweep everything just because how popular it is. Well, and the I'll be honest, the one thing that I I is kind of enticing me to want to see Barbie is that I've heard nothing but good things about the set design. Yeah. Like they did everything, pra- a lot of stuff practically. From what I've heard about it, that's amazing. But it's basically Black Panther for a white woman. <laughs> is that what you've heard? Yeah, because like the stories set up the exact same, basically. Oh, really? Like oh. she's living in her own protected world, and she leaves the outside world, and then while she's away, somebody takes over. Oh. And then she comes back okay. and uses the lessons that she learned in the outside world huh. to make her world better, basically. Huh. Okay. Um, so I just spoiled Barbie for a lot of people too. Yeah, I think that'll be okay. Um, but uh, you know, talking about cinematography, that that was honestly the number one reason I came and saw the movie. I think it's definitely a lock for cinematography. Yeah, because you know, and editing. In case, yeah, in case a lot of people don't know, um, this was shot on seventy millimeter. It was sh- it was shot on fifteen pin seventy millimeter IMAX film, which is pretty much the first time it's ever been done. Yeah, and they quite literally they had to rebuild film rooms and projection rooms to around this film. Yeah, to make it black and white for those parts. Well, n- just just to f- quite literally physically fit it in the building. Uh-huh. Yeah, because the. The film reel itself is it had a diameter of about six feet, and it weighed several hundred pounds. And as a lot of people may or may not Sounds know, projection like rooms are in the se- on the second floor a lot of the time. Yeah. And so just to get something that size up there, it's it's insanely 
That would have been cool to go up to the projector, projection room after we got out watching it to see well, it. And even then, like, some of the projectors and projection, like they, like I said, they had to recalibrate a lot of stuff. And there was, uh, there was that one that you told me about that, like, they had to restart the film, like, three times. Oh, yeah, cause because it, they the were, bulb kept going out. Yeah, you know, the bulb kept going out. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, if um, if you don't know already, we're based we're based out of Dallas, and uh, pretty much there was only one 70, 70 millimeter IMAX in in Dallas, and uh, we, I was able to score us some tickets for that, and uh, so I saw it in what Christopher Nolan's words were how he intended the film to be seen. I'm gonna watch it on a phone. Bootleg rip. Oh well, and that's that's one thing that Rebecca and I were talking about the other day. It was like you know, oh, I I can't wait for this to come out on Blu-ray. And she said, yeah, but is it gonna be like the same experience? And I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. But eh, I mean, you can get a new TV for the living room too. Well, yeah, I do, but still, it's it's not unless I'm planning on buying like a like a two hundred inch TV. I'm I don't think I'm gonna get a similar experience it anyway. Fit. It could fit. I'm not that worried about it. But. Yeah, yeah the um, movie theater we went to, I, I didn't like it. Well, the, the actual theater that we were in. Oh, okay. That we were too close together. Yeah, it was pretty compact in there. And, I mean, we may just be spoiled by all of the damn. Well, um, the one that we usually go to is showbiz and Waxahachie, and they got recliner seats that you could basically sleep in. Yeah. And just yeah. roll over and have your popcorn. You got a tray in front of you, all this fancy stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think we're just a little bit spoiled there. Also, though, it it felt like the seats were a lot closer together so that they could make money on it, more, or more money on it, well, like any movie that's in there, I guess. Yeah, I guess that, that may or may not be true. But one thing that I will admit, our tickets were $17. A piece? A piece. Fuck that. But I thoroughly remember when the the last time I saw a movie in IMAX was Watchmen. Mm-hmm. And that's how much the tickets were, $17. And that was, what, almost 20 years ago now. Was it the same theater? Uh, it was, no, we went to um, Mesquite, the IMAX in Mesquite. Mm. And, but, yeah, like. So you got to think, twenty years of worth of inflation, a seventeen dollar ticket is pretty affordable. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no. As far as cinematography is concerned, I mean, it, there was a very limited time to see it in that IMAX experience, because we all know that Barbie, Oppenheimer, and Mission Impossible are all fighting for IMAX screens, and. I'm 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 thoroughly glad that I got to see it the way that so Nolan intended. I think the next big IMAX movie is going to be Dune. Probably Dune, yeah. Now, I mean, I didn't see the first one in IMAX, so I don't see myself being that adamant about seeing it a first For $19, I don't give a shit. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. especially when we can go on a Tuesday for like 5 bucks. Yeah. And see it in a regular screen. Um the next uh, the next point that I have is uh, which I was thoroughly enjoyed by was the sound design 
and engineering. And yeah, this movie's got fucking jump scares, dude. Yeah, it does have jump scares, but I was mostly concerned about, because I don't know if you remember or not, this is the first film that's been out since Tenet. Yeah, and it was real and quiet dialogue. Oh my God, Tenet was horribly mixed. Yeah. And from what everybody can tell, it was a creative decision by Nolan. And in my opinion, it was ridiculously bad. I have no idea why he would do that. I don't either. Like he's a good movie. He's great. Yeah, you know, the movie was phenomenal. We we reviewed that by the way. Go yeah. back and watch that. And I just he literally had directors calling him and telling him, "Hey, man, you need to go back and remix this." Well, he this definitely is awful. fixed it. Oh, did he? It, well, in this. Movie. Oh, in this movie, yeah, no, in yeah. this movie. Quite literally, the only time that I could not understand anybody was, and I'm pretty sure it was intended that way, was when things were getting too loud. Well, it was usually whenever Oppenheimer, like throughout the movie, he's having like these panic attack type things. Right. Where Mm -hmm. he's like envisioning like, I guess, loud ringing and bright lights and shit. Yeah. And that's when you can't really hear anybody talking. Right. And so, yeah, that's, in my opinion, that was a very a very pleasant experience for me when it came to that, because like I said, I could still kind of had a, uh, for lack of a better word, a PTSD about the sound design when it comes to a Nolan movie. Yeah. I almost had a panic attack in this one. I, and I don't blame you. Yeah, it was, it was pretty uh, bad. Jason Clark yelling at me, mm. telling me <laughs> to admit it. Admit it. Um, so yeah, no, the, the that you can uh, put your mind at ease knowing that the sound design in this movie was phenomenal, especially the and it was it was very subtle, but like the the nerd in me about it, it made it it tickled me pink was all of the explosions, they were Time. delayed yeah. AF. That's and why they're jump scares. Now whether or not I could. I could go back and time it and and be like, oh no, they did it too slow he or too fast for the did sound. It I, th- I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't put that past him. Yeah. But yeah, like it was like when when you finally get the the climax that you're waiting that everybody's essentially been waiting for was when the atomic bomb initially goes off yeah. during the Trinity test. It's like a full God, 30, 40 seconds. After you see ignition, yeah, and then the actual blast goes off, and it I think just, it's a little bit more than that because it, it might have been. It was it was definitely sensationalized at that part because they were going around showing what everybody was doing at that time, right, right. Like, and then uh, it was probably more like a minute and a half, maybe. Yeah, it was it was pretty it was a pretty good long while before you finally heard and felt the explosion. Um. Yeah, it was funny. Right before the uh, the explosion, when it's showing everybody getting ready, uh, uh, oh, fuck, what's his name? The guy from the boys, Jack Quaid. Oh yeah, Jack. Jack Quaid. Quaid's in his car, and they're going around handing out uh, uh, UV glasses to protect everybody's eyes. And then oh yeah, and he's he like, no thanks. And he kn- he knocks <laughs> on his windshield. He's like, this protects from UV. Like, no, it yeah, fucking no doesn't, it you doesn't. dumbass. Yeah, no, it and then Benny Safdie's right next to him with his sunglasses on, putting on sun, like the, <laughs> yeah, the strongest fucking sunscreen I've ever seen. And 
And the funny part about it is, back in the 40s, it probably had like borax yeah, or, lead. Or, or, or as lead or asbestos yeah. in it or something. So yeah, no. The in my opinion, the sound the sound design gets top notches for me. Yeah, it was it was really good. And and I will admit, you know, you and Eli, you know, addressed it as we were leaving the theater. In my opinion, it was some of the stuff was a little too loud. Yeah, like like the explosions. Yeah, like like bro, like you were you were tickling my <laughs> you were tickling my butthole with how loud they yeah. had some of that those explosions. Yeah, it was definitely. Uh, overkill on some of those yeah um so yeah like i said i don't have hardly anything bad to say about the sound design um now one thing that uh i have seen people bringing up on on threads is uh like culturally the the movie itself was a little uh, whitewashed is a bit of a, a powerful word, I think, because they didn't, they didn't like, they kind of grazed over like, you know, the things in Japan and uh, how, you know, in our post, post high school education, we've come to learn that, you know, Japan was essentially ready to surrender. They didn't even have yeah, to drop the bombs. I was honestly expecting Christopher Nolan, and I kind of wish he would have done this just to, like, show everybody how serious it was. I was expecting him to do what uh, Spike Lee did with the Five Bloods mm -hmm. whenever it's showing, like, what uh, Agent Orange did to the oh, people. Oh, yeah. And it uh -huh. actually showed real pictures right. of, like, just the gore and everything. Right. I was I was expecting that in this, but Christopher Nolan didn't go that far with no, it. No, he didn't. Um now and one thing that somebody else brought up, uh which they literally they it's like a, a passing it's like a passing phrase in the movie was, you know, they said, What do you think we should do with Los Alamos? And uh, he says, Give it back to the Indians. Yeah. Which from what I've read and seen on the internet about it, a lot of the, uh, pretty much that's what happened was that the government abandoned the the everything the because, testing site yeah the testing yeah. site and everything because I mean naturally it was heavily irradiated because yeah. you know they did dozens of testing do, uh, dozens of tests after that yeah and but essentially after that the land was useless yeah. so. They stole that land from Native Americans. Shocker! It. That's like an American. That's it's like a, an American pastime. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the longest American pastime. Yeah. So, um, so that was something that it it seems like Nolan maybe skirted around it, yeah. but uh, I mean, it's one of those things that um, do you want to take the time? to you know dive into that i i personally i don't know that would added way too much time i mean that's a good point i mean the film was already three hours yeah i'm getting ahead of myself but that's one of my gripes with it yeah it was a little long it was a little long but the pacing i i had no gripes about the pacing now I'll, and I'll add some context here. For me personally, I was genuinely worried that I was going to fall asleep. 
because we went and watched it on a Wednesday night. At the film started at six forty-five, and I had been up since four thirty that morning. I worked all day, and I normally go to bed around nine o'clock. Yeah. Which even then, we're doing it's ten twenty right now that we're doing this podcast. Yeah. And um, and you know, genuinely, I was worried that I was going to fall asleep, but. My God, the, in my opinion, the pacing was perfection. Yeah. And, and yes, it was a three-hour film, but it did not feel like a three-hour film. Some parts for me did, but, I mean, yeah, for the most part. I would cut it down maybe to 245. Maybe, yeah. Because yeah. I will admit there were a lot of, like, Glamour shots, yeah, like you know. where it's showing space. Like, you, granted, I love those shots right. where it's like stars collapsing in on themselves. Yeah, and according to Nolan, he filmed all of that practically. How they did that, I don't know. I know he's a big fan of miniatures, so who knows? It's probably maybe they that. did something to that nature. Who knows? But yeah, um, I any anybody who's maybe an editor or wants to be an editor and you want to take some notes on pacing, my God, you need to watch this movie yeah. and study it because the the pacing was, in my opinion, just perfection. But, you know, back to the cultural significance, um, I mean, I think it's one of those things that a person has to, like, search their own soul, really, and see how how deep you want to dive into the full story of any and, it, and it's any country any history any type of thing um if if you if you sit back and expect it to be spoon fed to you it's going to be biased one way or another yeah definitely so that's something now for us here in America, especially here in the South where we live, I will I will admit that I have more often than not been taken aback at all of the uh, all of the historical events that were omitted from our education, mm. our primary education, and um, and that's one thing that we've come to learn is that you know you have to. Take it upon yourself to educate yourself to the best of your ability. Yeah. So, um, that's if you want to, you know, crucify Christopher Nolan for that. I we should to each his own. Let's burn him. <laughs> but uh, the next topic that I have up is uh, practical effects, which we kind of touched on um, the different uh, like aging because. Uh, the, the movie kind of skips around from, you know, like the, the meat of it is, out, uh, you know, d in Offenheimer's like midlife. Making 30s the bomb. 30s and 40s. Like researching. But um, there are times where it talks about, you know, him being in Europe and learning and going to universities and stuff of that yeah. nature. So he's obviously pretty young there. And then there's some scenes where they're looking back on it. And, you know, Robert Downey Jr.'s character is aged. Um Emily Blunt's character is aged. Uh, 
and then Oppenheimer, you know, Killian Murphy himself. Yeah. Uh, especially like whenever he was accepting his award. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I didn't recognize him at first at that part. Oh, really? He was like really skinny and mm-hmm. no hair and all yeah. that. Yeah. So I. When it comes to practical, you know, makeup effects and things of that nature, they, in my opinion, they knocked it out of the park. Yeah, and obviously explosions. They blew it out the park. And I do have a bit of a nitpick about that. Oh. Because, like, all of the explosions... Obviously, were practical, mm-hmm. but you can tell that he cheated because they were almost all close-ups. They were all they all filled the frame. Yeah, and so, in my opinion, and this is don't get me wrong, this I'm you know I'm getting microscopic here. I'm being a nerd, but you never really see a like the iconic and full-on like mushroom cloud well the, after the trinity test you do well it's it's because it was f- it fills the entire frame right but you but see you, the cloud yeah but like i said it's like one of those things like you didn't see like i would have loved a shot of like oppenheimer like standing there looking at at the cloud yeah. and like a shot from the like a medium shot from the back and see the cloud in the distance but you know they didn't do that because it's virtually impossible to get TNT to replicate the mushroom cloud from an atomic explosion. Yeah, plus he was in that bunker when it blew up. Yeah, but still, you can see the mushroom cloud for several, several minutes, like 10, 15 minutes after it was... Yeah, but that part would be kind of silly if he ran outside to do it. You know, yeah. That hero shot. So that's that's one thing that... You know, yeah, I I understand Nolan's stance when it comes to CG, but I think that there is a good balance that you can find of, you know, using computer computer generated images and practical effects. Yeah. So I mean, some people just don't like using it though. No, and I I don't blame him. I mean, good God, we're talking about a guy that quite literally crashed a Boeing 757 into a fucking uh, plane hangar. No, no, no. Those were 737s. You're 9-11 expert, huh? Where were you September 11th, 2001? I was in fourth grade. I was in Miss Copeland's class (laughs) in Ennis, Texas. I was in fourth grade, too, I think. It was third. No, it was third. No, it was fourth. Yeah, the intermediate boring. school. Yeah. Yep. But uh but yeah, that's that's kind of my only gripe. I mean, outside of that, there wasn't too many like crazy like things that required practical effects cuz once again, we're talking about a biopic here. Yeah. The costumes were good. Uh uh that hat that he fucking wore, what's it called? Oh, a fedora. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't technically a fedora. It was like a lazy fedora. Yeah, I don't know the technical term. I'm calling I'm it a, now. I'm not a haberdasher. Those so. are about to come back. I'm calling it now. No, because Killian Murphy looked too good in that thing. 
Mm. Yeah. I mean, he did. He wore the shit out that hat, man. And you know one thing that's always kind of cracked me up? It always seems like Killian Murphy plays uh, in period pieces, and he's having to smoke all the damn time. Maybe he just smokes in real life. No, as far as I know, he doesn't. Because like in, uh, what is it, in Peaky Blinders, like I think somebody went through and did the math. It's like 87% of the time he's smoking a cigarette. Yeah. But it's um, like a... uh, Well, they... They use it's like tea. it's like rosemary it's and like thyme, and so and yeah, shit like that. yeah. They don't smoke like actual cigarettes. Yeah. But anyway, um, so I just thought that was kind of ironic. Well, not I guess it's not ironic. It's just at this point, it's typical of to see Killian Murphy playing a role where he's got to smoke all the damn time. Maybe he's typecasted. People just like the way he looks with something in his mouth. Maybe that might be it. But I will admit that you could kind of tell, like, in other period pieces of this same, like, era, like, most of them, they're like, uh, what was it, Mad Men? Yeah. Like, Mad Men, they're, like, always, literally, like, just, like. That's fucking realistic. Yeah, and I'm, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's realistic. Like, everybody and their brother smoked back then. Yeah. And, and so I legitimately believe that they kind of underplayed that in this movie, yeah. which I don't have a problem with that because I can't stand watching people just like sit there and smoke a cigarette. Yeah, it's I don't know. It just always seems kind of weird to me. Like if you if you if you ever take the time to watch Peaky Blinders, like I'm not even exaggerating. The beginning of every scene, they're talking and they're pulling a cigarette out so they can light it. Yeah. Like every single scene. So. Um, well, that's uh, that was pretty much all the topics that I had written down. What was your uh, favorite scene? <sighs> um, honestly, any of my favorite scenes, uh, they all included Al- uh, Albert Einstein. Really? Yeah. Like I just I don't know I'm I'm a I'm a sucker. For I don't Einstein. even know who that fucking actor was. Oh, you didn't know who he was? Uh-uh. Yeah, that is... is uh, Al Pacino or some oh shit? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> um, no, it's... Uh, what's it? It's uh, Tom Conti. Oh, Tom Conti? Mm-hmm. I don't know who that is. Well, I the only thing that I really, you know, concretely recognize him from, he was the prisoner in The Dark Knight Rises that fixes Bruce's back and and basically teaches him how to escape the prison. It's been too long since I watched that movie. But yeah, he was, he was the, that was him. Yeah, and, he, he, and he did. He yeah. did a really good job. Everybody yeah. did a good job. And it, it's funny because him, he's from Ireland. <laughs> Motherfucker. So. I'd say mine, <clears throat> I mean, you gotta go. Explosion Trinity Test, because that's the cli- that to me that's the come, yeah, that's the climax. But like I said, that's I had, that's I, had nut. I had my nit I had my nitpick about yeah. the about the practical effects, you know, that was keeping them from like having that almighty money shot of that of the mushroom cloud. Yeah, but now, um, but yeah, I. I don't have too many bad things to say about this movie. I was just, you could have cut like a couple seconds off like a lot of scenes. That's <laughs> yeah, it. that's true. Um, 
But I mean, when it comes down to it, it, it it's it's a pretty cut and dry story. Yeah. And there's only so much you can do. And you know, I mean, it's Christopher Nolan, so in my opinion, he did a good job. If anybody else were to do this, it'd be it'd probably be a B movie that bombed at the box office. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool though. Like, like having um, Nick Cage play Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'd be entertaining as shit, dude. B movies are fun. They can be. But and that's and that's the thing. That's what I that's what I like about B movies. It's like they know, they realize yeah. and they're like, Hey, we're a B movie, we're gonna have fun with this. Well, most of the time. Sometimes we're not gonna take ourselves too seriously. Fuck, I can't you wouldn't know his name. I'm not gonna sit here and try to remember him. But the guy that did uh, the Postal movies and no, uh, uh, he like beats the shit out of movie reviewers that give him a bad score. Oh God! He makes God he makes God awful movies. Oh really? And if he tries to fight me, good luck, dude. I got fucking brain damage. <laughs> I can't fucking do that, dude. Oh, that's funny. So, but yeah. Well, Rowdy, uh. On a scale of uh, one to ten, eight. what do you give it? Solid eight. eight. Yeah, I'd I'd give it an eight and a half. Yeah, Florence Pugh brings it up for me because she's she's so amazing, uh, beautiful, I get, I great guess. actress. She's awesome. She needs to learn how to enunciate. Don't come from a girl like that, dog. Because I'm telling you, I know I said earlier that uh, you know the dialogue was mixed really well and I could hear everybody, but her, I couldn't, I couldn't. Well, understand she what just she was mumbles, saying. dude. Some people just mumble. No, man. Evidently, I mumble. I was like, damn girl, she's say my what, mumbling queen, like, dog. Like, damn girl, say it with your chest. She's my mumbling queen, dog. You should watch Hereditary, not Hereditary, Midsummer. Midsummer. Yeah, that was like the first thing she blew up in. Now she's the queen of Marvel, too. Mm. But, yeah, I'd say eight. Yeah, yeah I'd give it an eight. Uh, Mr. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is quoted as saying, just going to flat out say it, this is the best film I've ever been in. I don't know, man. So Fucking I Infinity War <laughs> <laughs> or Endgame. Don't let don't let Scorsese hear you talking like that, dude. I'm right there with him now. I fucking hate Marvel. Uh, well, I think we're just uh, we've got that. When it comes to Marvel, we've got that post nut clarity. That's what it is. Yeah. Because after Endgame, boy, everybody's like, "Oh, that was awesome! The greatest superhero movie ever!" And now nobody cares about anything. Either. Yeah, the last thing I watched was I think Doctor Strange. Yeah, which one came out? Of, multiverse uh, of Madness. Uh, no, 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 it wasn't. Uh, fuck, was it Spider Man or Doctor Strange that came out last? That you've seen? Yeah. Spider Man was before Multiverse of Madness, or was sorry. Before, um, oh yeah, it was Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Spider Man came out. It all first. blends together. It's all garbage. But I mean, think about it. What um, Guardians of the Galaxy three has come out. I haven't watched it. Haven't watched it. Even though I love James Gunn, I haven't watched. Uh, it. What's it? Wakanda Forever came out. I, I tried to watch it. it. It was boring. I, I haven't watch watched it. it. And then. Um, 
what's it? Miss Marvel, the TV show. I haven't watched it. She Hulk, the I TV show. I will say the Marvels movie does look halfway decent. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, She Hulk TV show that came out. Oh wait, the last Marvel thing I watched was it Loki? Was that the last thing that came out? God no. Oh, Loki. Know. The the next season of Loki is about to come out later this year. Oh yeah. Owen Wilson is a god. Yeah, I do love me some Owen Wilson. I like him more than Robert Downey Jr. He was a mean to Alejandro Aritu. And I'm not going to lie, I was super excited about, you know, Kang and everything until, oh, what's-his-face started. Allegedly. And you're right, it is still allegedly, yeah. but from what I can tell, it doesn't matter. They've already dropped him and they're no, going to recast him. He's in the trailer for Loki. Yeah, because they've already filmed it. Yeah, but, I mean, if they were going to recast him, they would just cut his parts out. Because I doubt he's like a big, big part of it. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. But uh, what's his name? Jonathan Majors. Jonathan huh? Majors. I kept wanting to say Jonathan Davis. And I was like, you no. still haven't watched The Heart of Their Fall, They Fall, have you? No. Uh-uh. It's that Western with him and him, Idris Elba, Regina King. Oh, yeah. King, I remember you telling me about Zazie I do Beats. Need to, I do need to. Lakeith Stanfield. Need to add that to my list. But Yeah, it's on Netflix. It was real good. But, uh. But all right, guys. Well, uh, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Um, Time to hit the dusty trail. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I highly recommend seeing this film. By the time you hear this podcast, it'll probably be too late to see it in IMAX. Well, it'll be out on Blu-ray probably. But nah, that's a superior that. way to watch it. That or DVD rip on uh, 123movies.com. Don't be plugging pirating sites. <laughs> One two three movies dot com or .net. It depends on your browser. Oh lord. But anyway, um, and use an ad block. I'm pretty much. I'm not on social media anymore, really. I mean, you can follow me on Threads at Tyler Doherty. I don't know my handles. It's probably Nips be popping on everything. Like my thread, er, my handles Nips be popping, and it's on every social media thing. I mean, it's the same as your Instagram handle. I don't fucking know. Just follow me. Or don't. I don't care. I'm not on any of that. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, now that you're going to have some more free time, maybe you can start running a uh, a uh, the the Movie Boys uh, you're thread asking, account. You, dude, you're thinking too much of me, man. <laughs> you got fucking brain damage. I just want to relax. Play some Baldur's Gate 3 and relax. It's Baldur's Gate 3? Yeah. Oh. It's in the third Baldur's Gate. And Baldur's, Baldur's Gate is a town in the D&D Lord on the Sword Coast. Oh. Yeah. I did not know that. But, all right, guys. Well, I guess uh, we will catch you in the next episode of The Movie Boys. Adios.